The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening. And enjoy the show. The darkness has found you. Jason Hill, and sometimes I like to use a staple gun on my shoulder and upper arm just to remember what it's like to feel something. Alrighty, let's do this. Ah, that smell of diesel exhaust, the heat ripples rising off the asphalt, the distant rumble of rolling thunder getting ever, ever closer. Well, that can only mean one thing. Dale and Earl are trucking into town. And all those things that go bump in the night best bump on down the line because this particular pair of trucking mother truckers will truck anything that moves. And if you make the mistake of thinking these two are ones with whom to truck, I assure you, you're sorely mistaken. Kevin David Anderson's Dark Nights of the Road are back in business, and the summer is just getting started. Shall we? You're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Thank you for your support. Now... I forget. Um... Something about the sun dying. Nightmares coming. Ah! Welcome, listener, to the Horror Hill. You haven't found the darkness. The darkness... It's around here somewhere. Whoop, there it is. Has found you. Please note that tonight's episode will be part one of a two-part series. 
with the conclusion airing on next week's episode of Horror Hill. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And now, without further ado, from author Kevin David Anderson, I give you part one of Serendipity. The tiny head covered in dirty blonde curls rolled across the wooden basement floor, leaving a trail of crimson. The small body it had once been attached to stood motionless, fangless, for what seemed an eternity. Dale closed his eyes and rubbed his brow hard, but not hard enough to wash the scene from his mind's eye. It had been days since he'd been in that basement, making heads roll, but the images were not fading. Not this time. Now, hundreds of miles away, Dale opened his eyes, still not believing where he stood. Why the hell did Earl want to meet here? He scanned the street. What he saw made Dale wish he had a cigarette. He didn't smoke. Not in years. He just had the desire to blow smoke in people's faces. Not regular folk. Just the uptight narcissistic, well-to-do, high-society types that passed him on the street. Each one gave Dale that what-are-you-doing-here glare, followed by a cursed dismissal and an upthrust chin. But what did he expect standing on the sidewalk in Brentwood, an upscale neighborhood in Los Angeles, filled with trendy shops, chic eateries, and exotic cafes? and not a decent cheeseburger for miles. It was the kind of place that put Dale in a mood, if he hadn't already been in one. Earl best have a good reason for dragging me out here on a Saturday. He had been leaning on the wall outside a boutique that sold, uh, well, Dale didn't know what they sold, but one of the women that worked there, with hair of an unidentifiable color and enough makeup to shroud her true complexion in mystery, asked him not to stand in front of their window. She even offered him five whole American dollars to move. So, ten feet east of his previous position, and five dollars richer, Dale folded his arms and tried to disappear in the shadow of an overhang. His face sported what Earl called Dale's sourpuss expression. Weathered, worn, tired, and yes... Moody. Dale didn't feel up to whatever the hell Earl had in mind, but he had been unable to come up with a good excuse to get out of it. Besides, he hadn't seen his friend in a week. 
and he hoped that when they finished with whatever they were doing here, they'd find a suitable watering hole and get a beer. Or two. He didn't know how much he should tell Earl about his long, tense, exhausting trip. He didn't like including him when the council was involved. He preferred to keep his friend as far away from those assholes as possible. But going down south alone was getting more and more dangerous, where it seemed to be all fang and no religion. At least not any religion Jesus would own up to. With council resources, Dale had spent the last few days cleaning out a nest east of Shreveport. Dark, nasty, fouler than a room full of afterbirth. But that wasn't the worst of it. Not by a long shot. They were kids. Goddamn kids. Dale had always believed that the bloodsuckers didn't sire kids, or maybe Dale just wanted to believe it. Wanted to believe that there was some honor amongst monsters. Some rules that they played by. But not anymore. Not after what he'd seen. Not after what he'd had to do. Earl not being there was the right move. His stomach was large, but it wasn't made of the stuff required to do what needed to be done. The Native American tribe that adopted and raised Earl had given him the name Wide Shadow. It wasn't a lightheaded comment on his weight, but rather an endorsement of what the tribal elders had noticed about his character. Earl had the propensity to protect anyone smaller than himself, anyone that fell inside his shadow. Even at age 11, Earl protected kids, standing up to bullies, even adults. He'd never stand by while a kid was being hurt, and he definitely didn't have what it took to take the head of a child, even if it just looked like a child. It would break him. But... Dale could handle it. At least that is what he told himself. He closed his eyes again as the image of two young boys floating above the floorboards, their long toenails scraping the wood, clawed hands outstretched as they charged, filled his mind. In his unescapable memory, he lifted the machete and... Screeching tires ripped Dale from the past and his eyes popped open. A cherry red Mercedes Benz backed into a handicap spot at the curb. Dale glanced at the license. No handicap sticker. A twenty-something male, dressed like James Spader from Pretty in Pink, threw open the door. He stood up, perfectly abled, on his patent leather loafers and undid the snaps on his driving gloves. He paused dramatically as if someone was taking his picture. Hey, Dale said. You know you're in a handicapped spot? The young man, all of 160 pounds, said, Ah, it's fine. I'm not staying long. He removed his gloves. My mom lost both her legs overseas to a landmine. Confusion swept over the man's face. I beg your pardon? serving her country. Our country, Dale said, when she never could understand why an able-bodied person like yourself 
would take a space that she so desperately needed. The man smiled and stepped up onto the sidewalk. Well, that is a sad story. But don't worry, there's no disabled veterans in Brentwood for God's sake. The man casually patted Dale on the shoulder. They only have these spaces because of some silly law, I'm sure. That's an inconvenience, really. An image of Dale's fist connecting just under the man's jaw flashed through his mind. A fountain of teeth and blood flew upward. The young man fell back, coming down on the trunk of his cherry red bins. Then his limp, bloodied body slid to the asphalt. Dale unclenched his jaw and grinned. Now you have yourself a great day, the man said, and gave Dale a double-finger gun salute. Dale took a deep breath and let it out slow. Very slow. Lately, he'd been trying really hard to stay relaxed, trying to maintain his calm, focus on his blood pressure, not kill every asshole he meets. It was a work in progress, an uphill battle sometimes, but he was working on it. Earl was convinced that if Dale could learn to relax more, it might make him a better person. The only problem with that reasoning is that Dale didn't want to be a better person. Not in the least. The reasoning from his doctor during his last physical, however, did make an impression. A big one. Lower your blood pressure or you will have a stroke before you're 50, he'd said after looking at Dale's blood workup. Dale felt healthier and meaner than ever, but the blood pressure and cholesterol medicine he'd just been put on told a different story. Hey, walking ugly, Earl said from a few yards away. Dale grinned at the sight of his friend, who was dressed nicer than usual. No ball cap. His jeans didn't appear to have any holes, and the shirt, well... Wow. That shirt. It had a collar. The buttons were buttoned. Properly. And it looked to have been ironed. Not recently, but surely sometime in the past year. Why you dress for Sunday service? I'm not... Earl gave Dale a quick once-over, who wore his usual jeans, t-shirt, and a leather vest. My God, you look like ten miles of bad road. We even own a mirror? I told you to dress nice. Thought you were joking. Why would I joke about that? Earl said. Well, hell, Dale, I've broken appliances on my porch that listen better than you. We ain't seen each other in a week. Is it necessary to begin with insults? Ain't necessary. Just enjoy balls all, Earl said, then held his arms wide. Would you rather have a welcome back hug? Well, hell no. Dale chuckled and stepped away from the wall. It's good to see you, old man. Earl smiled. Uh, back at you, ugly. So, why the hell are we in this seven-figure income bracket of a neighborhood? It's a little surprise. Earl reached for the door, just to the right of Dale opened it, then gestured inside. Age before beauty. You're older than me. Yeah, but I'm prettier. Cautious and more than a little curious, Dale peeked inside. They gazed into a large lobby with chairs along the wall, padded with high backs. They reminded Dale of barber chairs, but much less utilitarian. 
A marble table stood in the middle with a centerpiece feature that was part gazebo, part rainforest, and part Egyptian obelisk. Water drizzled down the bronze sides, splashing into exotic ferns, then disappeared beneath an elaborate base. Dale looked back at Earl with a raised eyebrow. Go on in, Earl said. Dale didn't move. What's wrong? Earl said. You scared? Dale looked back at Earl. You think you can manipulate me that easy? Heck no. I got all kinds of respect for you. Earl held the door a little wider. Buck, buck, buck. You're juvenile, Dale glowered, then added, Nobody really likes you. Earl chuckled. Everybody likes me. Then, not gently, Earl pushed Dale forward. Dale's boots echoed in the polished marble tile as he followed Earl toward an elegantly polished concrete desk, decorated in what the artist thought was Native American petroglyphs. Most of them were, but as they neared, Dale noted that the artist had mixed traditions, united markings from different regions and even continents. On the wall behind the desk was a marquee that read in two-foot-tall letters, all capitals, Serendipity. Before Dale could ask where the hell they were, a young man, thin, dressed in earth tones, wearing something that wasn't shorts or pants and... Well, not really a skirt, but something that sort of encompassed all three of those garments, appeared next to them. Greetings, my new friends, the young man said. Welcome to Serendipity. My name is Erb. How may I serve you today? Earl stepped forward. Called the other day about that certificate I won. A smile so big and almost touched both of his ears grew aggressively on Arab's face. Yes, of course. You must be Earl. I recognize the burly voice. He reached out as if to touch Earl's shoulder, but it fell short, and he just swished his hand through the air like someone about to do a magic trick. Then he turned to Dale. Oh, this must be the friend you mentioned? Arab looked Dale up and down. Yes, I see what you mean, Earl. He waved his hands in front of Dale. There is a lot of tension here. You don't know the half of it, Herb, Earl said. Again, my name is Arab. He reached over and grabbed several pieces of tanned papers and held them out. Why don't you look over these menus and decide what we will be doing today? I can personally recommend the Pacific Ocean Seaweed Full Body Polish. It is an exfoliation experience that fights aging and dehydration while smoothing out those. He zigzagged his fingers, a bit like Zorro, in front of Dale's face. Uneven textures. Dale didn't understand a thing Herb, or Herb, had just said. Hoping to reduce his confusion, he looked down at the menu printed on papyrus. The word serendipity ran across the top, and just underneath it, it said, A day spa from the ancients in the modern world. Dale looked up at Earl. No. Earl nodded. Yes. No. Dale insisted. 
Sometimes I think your brain is rattling around up there like a BB in a boxcar. Earl smiled at Herb. Um, Herb. It is pronounced Herb. Yeah, um, sorry. Can you maybe give me just a minute with my friend? Herb waved his hands. Of course. That would be no problem whatsoever. I'll tell you what. While you decide what you want, I'll order up a couple of lemongrass mojitos. They ought to die for. Well, that sounds delightful, Earl said, and Herb whooshed away. Dale said, In the parade of bad ideas, this has to be your grand marshal. What are you thinking? Well, I'm thinking that a month ago, my best friend came to me after seeing his doctor and asked me to help find some relaxing activities because if he didn't reduce his blood pressure, his head was going to pop off. I meant like getting a beer, going fishing, deer hunting, human trafficker killing. You know, fun stuff. Just give this place a try. Day spa is one of the most relaxing, rejuvenating, life-affirming experiences you can give yourself. Whose tree-hugging ass did you pull that from? It's on the brochure. Dale rolled his eyes. Look, while you were off the radar last week, Candy and I went to a fundraiser for the Humane Society. We did the silent auction thing and won this couple sessions at this place. Last day, it's good as today. And Candy had already made plans to go see her boy. So, instead of letting this go to waste... I thought we'd do you and your blood pressure a favor and give it a go. Humane society, huh? Yeah, Candy has a thing for dogs. He's always rescuing strays. Explains her interest in you. Hilarious, Earl said. It's all paid for. Ain't gonna cost you nothing, which is right in your price range, you colossal cheapskate. I'm not cheap, Earl scoffed. You squeeze a quarter so tight you can hear the eagle scream. Dale tried not to, but he chuckled. What do you say? Earl said. Couple of stress-free hours, no hitting or killing nothing, no unnecessary brooding, an entire afternoon dedicated to relaxing. We call it a mini-vacation from being you. I can't put my finger on it, Dale said. But there's an insult in there somewhere. Yeah, probably. Earl put a hand on Dale's shoulder. Come on, man. For your health. Dale took a deep breath. He'd never say it out loud, but from the moment he'd stepped inside serendipity, a wave of calm had been washing over him. Maybe it was the decor. Something about the water rolling down the strange rainforest obelisk feature. Maybe it was the oxygenated air that beckoned him. But whatever it was, it had a soothing effect but it wasn't the calming atmosphere trying to convince him to stay. That came from a darker place. If I stay, I don't want there to be a lot of strangers' hands on me, Dale said. Earl nodded. I am aware of your touching policy. I will ask Herb to recommend activities that are low on the human contact side, although it might do you some good to be slightly more touchable than a cactus covered in porcupines. But you do you, good buddy. Does that mean we're staying? Dale looked past Earl as a tall man entered the lobby from the street. The angles on his square jaw were only sharper on his tight haircut. 
A navy blue blazer not only covered a muscular body, but did a piss-poor job of concealing the fact that he was armed. Yeah, Nail said, giving in to the familiar sensation, the one that always reached out from the dark, sometimes coming to him in a dream, but more and more in the wake of day, an unmistakable feeling that he had arrived at a place he needed to be. We're staying. Wow, Earl said. I thought that'd be a lot harder. What can I say? You're as persuasive as a future father-in-law with a shotgun. Earl raised an eyebrow. There's an insult in there somewhere. Probably. Earl clapped his hands together. Okay, you go pop a squat and I'll go talk to Herb. As Earl stepped over to the desk, Dale moved toward the chairs along the wall, keeping a vigilant eye on the man now moving about the perimeter of the lobby. He knew what the man was doing, had seen it many times before. This is what private security doing advanced recon, securing the area for some muckety-muck, probably already en route, looked like. Dale had dealt with the type before, from those long disbanded blackwater assholes in the Gulf to the much more dangerous Lochnar in Eastern Europe. Never hard to spot. They were always more bravado than stealth. Dale glanced over at Earl, who talked to Arab like they were old pals. Dale was a bit jealous of Earl's ability to make friends with people he had nothing in common with. They took a deep breath, tried to remember why they were here. Relax. He told himself as he eyed the shoulder holster just visible under the man's jacket. Looked like a Glock 17, possible fourth generation. Before he could stop himself, Dale ran the stats through his mind. Semi-automatic, standard mag holds 17 non-millimeter, most likely non-standard with at least one backup. Could hold up to 22, polymer frame, metal barrel, and slide fixed polymer combat-style sights. Dale closed his eyes and took a deep breath. Well, relax, you jackass. He scolded himself. Jesus. I'm wound tighter than a two-dollar watch. Well, we're all set, Earl said, strolling back. We're gonna start off with a sauna, then get a hot rock massage, and follow it up with a healing session of Reiki. Earl sat down. It's all easy on the touching and suppose us to tune up our chakras. Not entirely sure what that is, but it do sound relaxing. Dale leaned back, folded his arms. I'm sure it will be, he said, maintaining a steady glare at the security pro canvassing the lobby. Serendipity, Earl said, still holding the menu. What is that exactly? Dale rubbed his chin. They're like happy accidents, Sort of when things happen by chance or without intention and they end up being uplifting or beneficial in some way. Kind of like karma? Dale shook his head. No, same ballpark, different game. Earl snapped his fingers. Like last year, you broke down in Barstow, remember? I come to get you and we bumped into that shithead who'd been hunting the working ladies at the two and chokes. You remember? Yeah. But what? After we put him down, I found that unopened case of Kentucky Straight Bourbon in his cab. Now that was some serendipity. Dale chuckled. No, that's just stealing from a dead asshole. 
Earl folded his arms. Well, I was certainly uplifted. The security man exchanged a few words with Arab at his desk. Arab nodded several times, and Dale got the sense that their host felt unnerved. Arab reached under his desk, fiddled with something, then picked up his iPad and held it against his chest. Defensively. If Dale had to make a guess, he'd say that Arab had just switched off the security cameras. The man with the square jaw turned away from Arab suddenly and moved toward the front door. He paused, slightly looking over in Dale and Earl's direction. Dale knew they were being sized up. Dale and Earl looked about as out of place as a couple of debutantes in a trailer park, and Dale could sense the man calculating, processing the risk factor the two rednecks posed. He gave the square-jawed man his best go-fuck-yourself glare over a contradictory have-a-nice-day smile. In the blink of an eye, Square Jaw decided that the two large yokels were not a threat and continued to the door. Hey, look here, Earl pointed to the papyrus menu. Says they have a lava rock you can rub on your elbows to make them smooth. Why would grown men need smooth elbows? Don't know. This sounds nice, Earl said. You know, it ain't necessary for you to toss dog crap on everything. Sorry. Force of habit. Like most of your habits, it ain't doing your blood pressure no favors, Earl said. Speaking of bad habits, you speak to your ex-wife. Dale sighed. Um, not in a spell. Trying to lower my blood pressure, not having aneurysm. You need to find a less irritable woman. I swear that ex of yours could start an argument in an empty house. I find her eccentricities charming. Excent? Earl shook his head. She's done slid off that woman's cracker a long time ago. Can we steer clear of my love life? Fine, Earl said. You want to tell me what you were up to last week? The question brought an image into Dale's mind. A pile of severed heads. The heads of children. Burnt to a crisp and smoldering in a church basement. Not especially. Or a council business. Leave it be, Earl. Fine. You keep your damn secrets, Earl said, sounding a little hurt. There's something I'd like to talk to you about anyhow, if you have a minute. My ass and ears ain't going nowheres. Gentlemen, Earl said, strolling over. I think we're ready for you now. Dale took a deep breath as he stood. Earl's face lit up. Oh, Dale... Your vest is brilliant. Do tell me the designer. Um, Harley Davidson? Oh, I am not familiar with Mr. Davidson's work, but I shall Google him immediately. Dale smiled. Hey, um, Arab, you expecting some big shot company or something? The light seemed to fade from Arab's face. Yes... State Senator Kavanaugh will be stopping by for a few hours. Arab turned and gestured for them to follow. He moved back to the front desk where two lemongrass mojitos were waiting. He scooped them up and handed them to Earl and Dale. You will love these. Organic and gluten-free. Dale nodded. That's always a concern of mine. 
Earl shot Dale a disapproving glare that very clearly said, Be nice. Anything to worry about? Dale said. Absolutely not, gentlemen. It's just you seemed a little anxious when his security man was here. You okay? Dale brought the mint-flavored straw to his mouth but couldn't convince himself to take a sip. Herb brought his hands together in front of himself, almost in prayer. Thank you for asking. I am well. He lowered his voice. Senator Kavanaugh is not my favorite client. Oh. Herb leaned closer. He is a little handsy with the staff. There have been complaints. Well, Earl said, just bounce his prissy ass grabbing butt out of here next time. Herb took a deep breath. Wish that I could. Seriously. But his family owns this building and most of the block, really. He is our landlord. I'm sorry to hear that. Must put a lot of pressure on you, Dale said. It is manageable, Herb said. But this will not dampen your day. I promise you, Dale, when you leave Serendipity, you will be more relaxed than you have ever been before. How are those mojitos? I can honestly say it's like nothing I ever tasted, Earl said. Excellent. Herb spun on a heel and glided toward a rounded staircase. His strides were elegant, each step more graceful than the last. He approached the stairs and his garments swayed in dramatic, choreographed motions, giving him the allure of a glamorous starlet from the 1940s. Even the light seemed to hit him in the most flattering way. He gestured up the stairs. Gentlemen, walk this way. Earl and Dale couldn't walk that way to save their lives, but they could follow. And that's what they did. Up the stairs and onto the second floor, which was decorated as serenely as the lobby. Artificial but realistic candlelight illuminated vegetation that seemed to be rooted in the walls. Artwork depicting natural settings felt very staged, but to Dale's mind, relaxing. Herb gestured to another small waiting area. Willow will be with you in a moment. Please do enjoy the mojitos, and I will see you after. Looking very relaxed, I'm sure. Dale and Earl took seats, and all female staff, as many as eight, wearing soft pink polo shirts with the Serenity logo in the pocket, moved about their business. When one would pass by, they'd throw Dale and Earl a smile, and with each one, Dale felt a little more at ease. Earl took a sip of his mojito and said, Are you going to try that, or are you just going to move it from hand to hand like a hot potato? Dale would kill for a beer right now. Didn't even have to be a good one. He brought the straw up to his lips and took a whiff. Smells like it was poured into this glass via someone's unwashed ass crack. Earl sighed and removed the straw from his mouth. Well, that paints picture. Thank you for that. He set his drink down on a table where it would remain. Kavanaugh, Earl said. I don't follow politics much, but I've heard of him. Can't remember what for, though. Dale folded his arms. 
You might be remembering the abductions. Could you tickle my memory a bit? About five or six years ago, two of Kavanaugh's kids, youngest I think, girl and boy, both not quite ten, got snatched from their private school. Oh, yeah. Girl's expression dulled as the dark details were clearly flooding back. Yeah, that was awful. Never found them kids, did they? Dale shook his head. The FBI played it like a kidnapping. Wealthy family held for ransom. They went by the numbers, but they'd had more luck finding a chicken with teeth than finding them kids. Jesus, I hate it when the dark touches the little ones, Earl said. I know you do, Dale said. Um, Kavanaugh got elected to the state legislature the next year. They lost his kids and went on campaign trail. We all grieve in our own way, I guess. Think he's the minority leader in the state senate now or some such. Changing the subject, Earl said. I wanted to talk to you about something. Been thinking about this for a while now. Before Earl could get any more out, Arab came back up the stairs with a man of Asian descent right on his heels. The man was well-dressed, jacket, no tie, and an unusually robust black mustache. As they arrived on the second floor, his brown eyes moved from side to side, scanning the area. Dale figured that the honorable state senator had arrived, and the well-dressed mustache was securing the floor. The security man followed Arab down the hall and into the room to the right. Before they came back out, Kavanaugh's entourage moved up the stairs. The man that Dale recognized, Kavanaugh, led the small pack. Not a good-looking man. Receding hairline, comb-over hair to hide the receding hairline, pointy cheekbones, and a lipless smile that only a mother would kiss voluntarily. Following close behind Kavanaugh were a few more members of the security detail. A square-jawed one Dale had seen earlier, and a tall, thin man, at least a foot taller than the others. The thin one had deceptively broad shoulders and wore his suit loosely, casting the illusion that he was thicker than he really was. The last one up the stairs was bald, and scarcely noticeable white eyebrows and black eyes. Dale thought they might have been colored contacts, but he couldn't imagine anyone choosing to have black pupils. Of course, he couldn't imagine why grown men wore man buns, shaved their pubic hair, or bleached their asshole. So, clearly, the world wasn't restricted to the limited confines of his imagination. When Kavanaugh stepped up onto the floor, he glanced at Earl and Dale, and for a split second... Dale thought the man might come over and offer to shake their hands. Some sort of politician's reflex, campaigning autopilot that steered him toward potential new votes. But, in the blink of an eye, Kavanaugh dismissed the two large bumpkins as nobodies. Not worth a moment of his time, and he turned to move down the hallway. Earl leaned over to Dale. Well, he's got all the warmth of a penguin's nutsack. Dale smiled. In the hall, an employee carrying a stack of towels tried not to make eye contact with the senator, clearly wanting to avoid notice. She failed. Hey, sweetie, Kavanaugh said to the employee who abruptly stopped. He moved closer to her. 
Will you be taking care of me today? Um, no. I'm off in a few minutes. She continued walking. Well, that's too bad, Cavanaugh said as he turned to watch her walk away, his lipless grin curling up his right cheek. When he finished staring at her ass, he happened to look Dale's way. Dale locked gazes with the man and gave him a hard stare, the one he reserved for those that were approaching the line. Cavanaugh's worm-like grin squirmed up the other side of his face as if to say, What are you going to do about it? Steady, Earl whispered. Today is about relaxation. Well, I'm as chill as an igloo, Dale said. Cavanaugh turned away and moved down the hall where Erb stood in the doorway. Dale tried but couldn't take his eyes off him. There was something wrong with the man. Or, more to the point, the weight of him. Dale couldn't quite put his finger on it, but it was as if his shadow didn't fit the man's body. The darkness that trailed him was more than just his shadow. The senator gave Erb a little shove before stepping into his room. Dale watched until he was out of sight, and then felt the hair on the back of his neck stand up as Kavanaugh's shadow took an unnaturally long time to follow. A snake's tail lingering behind. Raised voices grabbed Dale's attention. On the other side of the floor, several of the staff were arguing. Dale couldn't discern the details, but he could guess. None of the employees smiled anymore when they passed by. Their strides were stiff, uncomfortable. Dale glanced at Earl to see if he'd noted the change in tension since Kavanaugh's arrival and was surprised to see a stupid grin on his face. When Dale realized that Earl was looking at Kavanaugh's security detail, all lingering in the hall deciding what position to take, he deduced the source of Earl's amusement. You're giving him nicknames, ain't you? Earl chuckled. How'd you know? Your juvenile amusements have been well established, Dale said. What you got so far? We'll see the one with the square haircut and right angles for the jaw. That there's Blockhead. Reminds me of the bad guys in Gumby. Dale chuckled. Very nice. And the follicky challenged one's cue ball. Well, naturally. Tall one's beanstalk. Classy. I like it. And the Asian fellow's Jackie Chan. No, 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 Dale said. Well, why not? Well, for one, that's not a nickname. It's just appropriation of someone else's name. And two, it's sort of racist. Oh, damn. You're right. Earl brought a hand to his chin. How about Wonton? No. Legro? No. Dale repeated. Get off Chinese food. Well, how about... Sushi. Earl! Well, it's not Chinese. Earl countered, then rubbed his belly. Damn. Now I'm hungry. Oh, Jesus. Dale shook his head. Well, okay, you think of one. The security men broke apart in the hall, and the one still needing a nickname headed their way. Dale was impressed at the size of the man's facial hair. Thick, well-groomed, and reminded him of something you'd see in a stag film from a different era. Dale leaned over toward Earl and whispered, How about... Porn stash? 
Earl let loose with laughter, then tried to swallow it as Pornstash approached. The mustache-endowed man took a position at the top of the stairs, and Dale tried to identify the weapon inside his jacket. Before he could, a petite gal with a warm smile said, "'Morning, gentlemen. My name is Willow, and I'll be taking care of you.' Her shoulder-length, peach-colored hair twirled a bit as she held out a hand, gesturing to the hall. "'Would you follow me?' They stood, and as they moved toward the hall, Dale glanced over at Pornstash one last time, trying to get a look at his weapon. The slight bulge in his jacket didn't seem to fit any handgun outline Dale sorted through in his mind. Then he thought, No, it couldn't be. No. It could be. <sighs> Numchucks. <laughs> Who the hell cares, Numchucks? So, y'all, Willow said over her shoulder while leading them down the hall. Um, you two gentlemen are going to start with the sauna. She stopped at the door, opened it, and gestured inside. This will be your treatment room. As Dale stepped in, he noted that their room was next to Kavanaugh's. The one Earl had dubbed Blockhead stood outside the door. There's some towels inside, Willow said. I'll give you gentlemen a few minutes to disrobe and put those on. Earl paused in the doorway and lowered his voice. Do we leave our skivvies on? Willow lowered her voice. However you are most comfortable, sir. I'm most comfortable in a bar, preferably with poor lighting and pool table in the back, Dale said. Dale, Earl snapped and pushed him aside. You will have to excuse my friend. First time at a spa. Willow smiled and kept her hushed tone. It'll be our little secret. Earl shuffled inside and picked up a towel. It fell open, soft, thick, but a tad on the small side. Um, Earl said, patted his belly. I'm gonna need to Velcro four or five of these together. Willow smiled, stepped to an all-white wardrobe and opened the double doors. We got you shook, um, sir, she gestured inside and added, bigger towels and robes are in here. Dale raised an eyebrow suspiciously at Willow, sensing that she had a secret. Earl turned to Dale. So, what's it gonna be? You keeping on them BVDs or you doing the full Monty? You've been listening to Part 1 of Serendipity by author Kevin David Anderson. For Part 2 and the thrilling conclusion, do tune in next week. Serendipity was written by and presented courtesy of Kevin David Anderson. Anderson's debut novel, The Geeky Cult Zombie Romp, Night of the Living Trekkies, is a funny, offbeat novel exploring the pop culture carnage that ensues when the undead crash a Star Trek invention. His latest book, Midnight Men, The Supernatural Adventures of Earl and Dale, mwah, was inspired by the short story Green Eyes and Chili Dogs, produced by yours truly, Jason Hill. And the original version can be heard on my own YouTube channel and on the Simply Scary Podcast Season 3, Episode 6. 
Anderson's stories have appeared in over a hundred publications and on fantastic podcasts such as the Drabblecast, Pseudopod, the No Sleep Podcast, Horror Hill, and the Simply Scary Podcast. In addition, he's an active member of the Horror Writers Association and currently works in special education. For more information on him, visit kevindavidanderson.com. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear more lengthy tales, be sure to take a look at my audiobooks, available now on audible.com. If you'd like to hear a premium, ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive, dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the Horror Hill for yet another dance with darkness, I bet you good night. Sleep tight, listener, and whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. You've been listening to Horror Hill, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, as well as a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted and its featured stories performed by yours truly, Jason Hill unless otherwise noted. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Sound design, original music, and final mixing and mastering provided by Felipe Ojeda under the guidance of executive producer and director Craig Groshek. The program's logo was created by Craig Groshek, and this week's artwork provided by Omega Black, unless otherwise noted. Got a scary tale of your own that you'd like performed? I take submissions. Email it to me today at horrorhill at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your terrifying tome considered for production in a future episode of the show. If you enjoyed what you've heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and Horror Hill on Facebook to connect anytime, 
and get the latest updates. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit that thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word or a request. If you can never get enough spooky stories and can't wait until next week for more and haven't already, be sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on YouTube for hundreds of free audio horror stories, including more performances from yours truly, and consider supporting us by becoming a patron at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more frightening fiction to haunt your dreams. Until next time, I'm Jason Hill, and you've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast. Good evening, and sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.